One week into the gold zone, a couple days into the offseason. Let's talk some backs and going all in. Boys, let's hit it. What is up, boys and girls of Green Bay Packers fandom? It's week two of the Gold Zone. It's the offseason now. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. You can follow me on Twitter at, I'm never good at this. There we go, at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Jacob Morley at Jacob Morley. Find him. That's my co-host, my partner, my friend. And we've got some exciting news in the pipeline for you guys here. Uh, Not quite ready to reveal that just yet, but stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. And we will have something really fun for a lot of you draft nerds that are out and about and like to do things like that. But welcome to the show, Jake, parent teacher conferences Mm -hmm. and in the full swing of the off season. How does that feel? Feels right, man. Every year it seems like this, this is when I get busy uh, with school coaching and draft content, baby. I love it. I, I love this time of year. It's so much fun. And, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I would rather win the Super Bowl. But I think for some of us, we can kind of relate to the fact of like, yes, the season is – that's why we do it, right? To watch, to watch your team win. But dang it, if the offseason can't be a lot of fun if you just let it be. It is a lot of fun. I want to shout out Big B and, of course, our our main homie here, Lambo Labo in the chat. Lambo, we're going to have to get you on once we get close to the draft. I think you're the only guy I know that has watched every single episode of this show. So welcome to the show, guys. Let's touch briefly on the Super Bowl. The way that I've kind of described it is the Super Bowl was on Sunday. Congratulations to the Rams. The offseason began Monday. Therefore, the Rams' reign as champion is over. Uh, but I do want to start, Jake, and I know this has been – it's it's a Packers-related show. However, some of the discourse has surrounded – I'm going to hold you to this, Mr. Labo. So you said you want it on. You can't back out this time. Some of the discourse surrounding the game – is my favorite quarterback in the NFL, Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. And there has been the discussion of, did he punch his ticket into the Super Bowl? Duh, he did. Did he punch his ticket into the Hall of Fame? My theory on it is this is Julian Edelman-esque analysis. Do you guys remember when Julian Edelman won that Super Bowl MVP and everyone's like, oh, Julian Edelman, he's a Hall of Famer. He's clutch as hell. And then you start looking up his resume and you're like, Larry Centers has more yards receiving than Julian Nettleman. So Julian Nettleman is not a Hall of Famer. As of today, right now, February 16, 2022, Matthew Stafford is not a Hall of Famer. One Super Bowl, good for him. He won. He did things I didn't think he would be able to do. Congratulations. No Super Bowl MVPs. No MVPs. No top three finishes in the MVP voting. No all pros. One Pro Bowl, which popularity contest, but Hall of Famers tend to get those votes and they get the benefit of the doubt on those kinds of votes. And it hasn't happened. Richard Sherman brought it up and said, does anybody just get in now? 
Are we going to put in every quarterback that wins a Super Bowl except for Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer? My answer right now is that Matthew Stafford still has five or six years left in his career, most likely, um, if not more, maybe a little less. And he has time to change that narrative. But for right now, I think we are caught up in the glow of who won the Super Bowl and what that means for everybody and everything like that. Let this thing breathe. Matthew Stafford is not a Hall of Famer. And it's funny to me how some people are saying that game counts as making him one, ignoring the fact that he threw an arm punt against San Francisco that if Chukwaski Tart just catches it, they're not even playing in that game. And there's more questions about whether or not he's a choker. Or in the Super Bowl, if the Bengals maybe give up five sacks instead of seven, then the Bengals would have won that Super Bowl because, largely, of Stafford's poor play in the middle of that game. So I've been talking for three minutes to say Matthew Stafford's not a Hall of Famer. Jake, what do you think on this discourse? Uh, I don't think he is, right? I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But, I oh mean, I... I think it's closer than what some people are giving him credit for. I mean, I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, yeah, he, he's he's in the Hall of Fame. He should be. Uh, I mean, no. If And the thing is kind of like, I think he's kind of got the Matt Ryan type argument, except Matt Ryan has played on better teams throughout his career. But, like, when you look at the stats, like, so Matthew Stafford right now as it stands is 12th all-time in passing yards. Okay, guys that are below him in passing yards that are in the Hall of Fame include Warren Moon, Fran Tarkadin, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas. Guys different that era. played in a very different, different era. Completely different era, yes, of course. But he still has just gobs and gobs of yards. Um, passing touchdowns, he is ranked... And I'm looking this up right now in front of me, so I'm kind of I'm kind of building the plane as uh, as we go here throughout the air. Uh, passing touchdowns, uh, I'm having to go Control F here to find him, so that might not be a good sign. Stafford, oh he's 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 twelfth uh, in passing touchdowns as well throughout his career, ahead of ahead of John Elway, ahead of. A lot of the same guys I just talked about. Again, completely different era. Um, ahead of Russell Wilson right now. So as far as stats go, I think he can, he can at least have an argument. Now, is it a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Fame because he won a Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. But I think he has helped his cause in that regard. And I think if... If L.A. can put a competitive team back together for the next two, three years, and they can get back to that, to like the the threshold of Super Bowl champions, then maybe, maybe, he, is he a Hall of Famer? Maybe. I don't know. Right man. now, the uh, answer is not right for, now. For, for you, that's... for you. I, I, so if he, if he retired today, right, that's the argument. I would I would probably lean on the side of no. But it's, I think it's closer for me than some people. Um, and the the know-all pro stuff, like, he's played – I mean, I don't know. That, I, I'm, like, building my argument and also, like, convincing myself, no, that's that's kind of how close I am. Because I want to say, like, okay, he doesn't have a bunch of all pros. Yeah, but he's playing the same era in the NFC as guys like Aaron Rodgers 
as guys like who are other stud NFC quarterbacks that I can't like who who's be who's been beating him out for well, Tom Brady all this past year, Drew Brees uh, all, for, yeah, for right. All pro is the is the NFC. So yeah, Tom, Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, guys that are going to be Hall of Famers. Even like Ben Roethlisberger, going to be a Hall of Famer. So like he's played in an era where he's not ever been like in the top three or four guys, but he's always been really good. And it will be interesting. So I'll end it with this. It'll be interesting to see how these types of votings, this type of voting goes, because there's a lot of guys from this era of football that are going to be towards the top of passing records and touchdown records that maybe it didn't mean as much as when like, you know, like Joe Montana played or Johnny, obviously like Johnny United's played. It's so different. It's such a different era of, of football that is it just gaudy numbers because let's not forget the narrative for Matthew Stafford for a long time was very similar to like Kirk Cousins. Hey, Stat he had Ferd. He has, he has been bad the first half, but now they're down 30 points. So he threw out 300 yards and three touchdowns in the second half. Like kind of the narrative that surrounds Phillip mm-hmm. rivers for a lot of people too. And whether yep. that's fair or not, we, this isn't going to be a debate on that. I think we've spent too much time on Matthew Stafford, which is my own fault. To begin hey, with, but he yeah, just won can, a Super Bowl. He can we can give him ten minutes. We can at least give him ten minutes of our show. He did just win a Super Bowl, uh, so props for that, I, I guess. And I wondered how long it would take for this question to be asked. Uh, explain the Eagles hat. Yeah, my dad was an Eagles fan, so uh, definitely still go Pack go. No question about that. But uh, when they're not playing the Packers, yeah, go Birds, fly Eagles, fly whatever your go to saying is. And I want to give a shout out to my guys, Chris and Fonte. And uh, Brian Cameron. Plus, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. Ever since I've been a kid, the Eagles gear has always been kind of slick. I think that black with that dark green has always looked really nice. Um, I wore my dad's McNabb jersey on Super Bowl Sunday because that was his favorite player forever and ever. So that's the Eagles bit. And I'll wear this pretty often. So get used to it. But I am not a an Eagles fan first, a Packers fan first. And that's what we're going to talk about now as I transition into – this next part, now, what we're going to do is kind of talk about last week, we talked about the quarterback situation, and that position's unique, right? Because Green Bay is either going to have Aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back MVP, or Jordan Love, the guy that they traded up for and got in the first round. So their starting quarterback is pretty set in stone. But I do want to go through, and their backup, frankly, I think is, is pretty set in stone too, because uh, it's either going to be Jordan Love or Kurt Benkert, and that's the case either way. Uh, so let's kind of go through this roster. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, both of them, I think right now are bona fide studs. Uh, A.J. Dillon took a step this year, undraftable because he cannot catch passes. Um, mm. I do want to point that out, but it appears he can catch passes. Aaron Jones, obviously, um, I think he's going to start. It's going to be weird as that contract goes along, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about his contract as we go through here. But that was built like a two-year deal when it was signed, so – It'll be interesting to see if he becomes a cap casualty or somebody they move on from here in 2023 going on like that. But AJ Dillon took a step this year. I, I mean, he was really close. If not the Packers leading rusher, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but they really did do a good job of using both of those guys. When you draw it up, when God drew it up and he created the game of football and he said thunder and lightning for running backs, these were two guys he had in mind that fit together perfectly. Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw is an example like that. Um, you know, Jones had some time. I know true North Packers fan points out. He was relatively healthy. He did miss a game yep. or two with a knee injury. And then they have games where like he's half-assed healthy, where he kind of plays, but kind of doesn't. And they kind of lean on AJ Dillon that way. But you saw 
to me, the value this year of having both of those guys in that playoff game, the Packers offense was drastically different after AJ Dillon exited the game with a broken rib and they were unable to get a whole lot established on the ground. You know, the Packers ground game this year wasn't as good as it was last year. They had some issues up front that lead into that, but Jake, just talking about these two guys specifically before we get into the back half of that running back room, you got to be really excited about having those guys coming back next year, regardless of who the starting quarterback is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a foundational piece of what Matt LaFleur wants to do with his offense. Um, He wants to be able to run the ball. And we saw it against San Francisco. When you take that away, it it can get ugly. It can get sloppy. And uh, the the sad thing and the hard thing about it is you you draft this hammer of a running back uh, to be able to play in December at Lambeau to close out a game. And it just so happens the Packers' luck is he breaks his ribs on a kick return or a kickoff, whatever it was, something special teams, which we don't even we don't even talk about. I just looked what, it up. It's so just, funny. I just looked it up. The separation of these players, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. How many yards do you think separated AJ Dillon was the leading rusher for the Packers? Oh, I, this I know this. It's it's ten. It's like within ten yards. It's like eight hundred four yards. Eight oh three yeah. and seven ninety nine. That is yeah. absolutely incredible. Now, granted, to Dillon's credit, he played seventeen games and Jones only played fifteen, so he did miss a couple of games that would have had him over that most likely. But incredible to me that 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 is the case. I'm sorry, I just thought that was hilarious. I didn't know that that was the oh. case. I thought you were laughing at our misfortune for special teams. I was like, how dare you? Oh, we dare yeah. You? I mean, hell, come on, man. The <laughs> special teams has been shitty for 15 Never. years. Like, I think um, what was Pack Daddy, Packer Nets uh, podcast, was talking about how the Packers have one kickoff return for a touchdown since 2002, and the last one before that was in 2000. Uh, they had the one Randall in 2011. Cobb one? Randall Cobb is the last time they returned a kickoff. Punt return has been a little bit better because they had Micah Hyde. But obviously, I mean, special teams isn't just the return game. But my goodness, if the Packers, like, this would be irresponsible. But if they spent a boatload of money on Cordero Patterson and just said, you know what, you're going to be our third running back and you're going <laughs> to return kickoffs, I'd be like, well, I, what I, I get hell? it. I get not? it. Yeah. Like, I'll sure, Kevin Hester's do- ass off and get him out of retirement. Just that is like it's like bringing a flamethrower to take out, like, your, to fix your mouse problem. Right. But like, I get it. That's where we're at. Like, I'm sick. That's of it. exactly I'm what sick we do. Because if there's a mouse in my house, we're burning the house down. <laughs> I've got a story about that. When we ha- we've had one mouse in my house since we since we moved in. I'm knocking on wood. And literally after that, I bought every single mouse preventative, whether electronic, whether steel wool, whether whatever, to keep them out of my. I am terrified of mice. Don't ask me why. It's been that way since I was probably five years old. I will not touch them. And the rule in my house was. Frankie doesn't, my wife does not want me to get the snap traps that kill them. So we got the humane traps and I said, that's fine, but you're getting rid of them. So we've only ever had one to get rid of, but in my house, yeah, if there were more, we just burn it down and move somewhere. Kind of like Ross Uglin with snakes. Just get a cat. No, no. Cats <laughs> are the spawn of Satan. Mice are cute. <laughs> mice are cute. Good I, Lord. My, baby. My Come on, bother. man. No, that, I mean, that's fine. Me. I know they don't bother most people. But let's go to the back half of the room. I've, I've gotten you off track a bunch. So let's go to the back half. Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor. And we got a point here. Excited about Kylan Hill. I certainly think that there are things there to be excited about. I was in the house for his first touchdown of the preseason against Houston and was like, whoa. I mean, when a player could get me to go wow in the preseason – He's got a little bit of juice. 
because uh, obviously there, there's a lot of replacement level to eh, level players. That was kind of one of my concerns about Amari Rogers is he looked eh. Whereas Kylan mm-hmm. Hill was like, oh, wow, this kid's got some juice. Had some things on a kickoff return this year. Uh, and ultimately, a bad decision, as pointed out, said need to make smarter decisions. A bad decision yeah. uh, caused an unfortunate injury that then ended his season. Patrick Taylor, who was cut after the preseason, eventually was on the roster for after Kylan Hill was injured through the rest of the regular season. Showed some nice things against Minnesota on the last uh, home game of the regular season. Showed some nice things against uh, Detroit. And to his credit, too, he actually had a couple carries against San Francisco where I was like, okay, don't run the ball because I'm afraid he'll fumble. And he didn't fumble. So good for him on not fumbling that way because that was a bit of an issue in the preseason. I think he fumbled twice this year in the preseason this year. My question to you now is when you look at the back half of that room, this is feasibly somebody that could take over for Aaron Jones as soon as 2023 if Jones's contract is, in fact, a two-year contract. How confident are you in pairing either one of those guys with A.J. Dillon should that need to happen? I mean, I think both those guys are super talented. And I think it's it's interesting because Kylan Hill is kind of the Aaron Jones light, and Patrick Taylor is kind of the A.J. Dillon light. And they both do a lot of the same stuff that the other guy does. They're just younger and haven't proved it as much. Um, Kylan Hill is someone that I think is kind of your shiftier type back. He's a he's an underrated receiver out of the backfield. Uh, but ultimately, he was a seventh-round draft pick, and he did just blow his knee up, right? Uh, Patrick Taylor, on the other hand, is is someone that – and let me just say, too, both of these guys move different. And I always like betting on guys that, that move different. And Patrick Taylor is, is a guy like that, too. If you go back and watch uh, Memphis's tape of him his sophomore and junior year, this is a guy that I think would have been a potential day two draft pick coming out. Yeah. And that is that is with guys like D'Angelo Henderson, the kid in – uh, Philadelphia, Kenny Gainwell, right? Kenny Gainwell. Who's the other one? Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, Tony Pollard was in that backfield. Holy like, shit! They is were Memphis running back. You, apologies. They to were Wisconsin. they were loaded, and uh, all of those guys have had different levels of success in the NFL, um, and, and all of them have looked promising in the NFL. And I think Patrick Taylor, given the opportunity, could be very much in the same mold. He was their second leading rusher uh, of guys in that group. I mean, a guy that. Um, is this guy can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like he he's a talented multifaceted running back. And when I, when I talk about him, it's because when I watched him, I was excited and what the Packers did with him and why he wasn't drafted is because he had, he had the foot injury and they basically knew that happened later on in his career. And a lot of people, you know, one, one knock against running backs already is that they're a running back. And if you can't come in and contribute immediately, that's a huge knock on your draft stock. Like if you're going to draft a running back, unless you're the Packers, apparently with AJ Dillon, like they want you to play right away. And so Patrick Taylor falls out of the draft. The Packers just so happen to have Dr. Anderson in Green Bay, who is the best foot doctor in the world. And so they're like, hey, we're going to take this guy who's got this foot stuff because the the guy that we have doing foot surgeries, uh, that's doing ortho stuff on guys from all over the country says that he's going to be all right, that this injury is going to heal well. Um, I think they really might have something with Patrick Taylor. So as of right now, today, the same thing with Stafford. As of right now, today, not knowing anything, not having any update on Kylan Hill's pretty bad knee injury, um, I would bank on Patrick Taylor being the guy that you're going to pair 
with AJ Dillon. They they are they do have a little bit similar of a uh, skill set, but uh, if that skill set is gaining yards, then I'm fine with that, right? So that that's kind of where I'm at with that. I I'm super excited that the Packers could are potentially very good four deep on this roster. That there are one question I do want to address. True North Packers fan, will Jones be back for 2022? Contract designed to be team friendly. Gave him a chance to move on. Here's the deal. That contract is very friendly in terms of them being able to push money out, restructure, and they will likely do that to save money in the event that Aaron Rodgers is returning. What's going to happen if Aaron Rodgers is traded? I think then some of those questions of will we even bother restructuring those guys or will they just kind of move on? I certainly think that's possible. I do think Aaron Jones is part of the plan for 2022, regardless of who their starting quarterback is in 2022. But I do think that it could be his last year in Green Bay. I think it will be too. I mean, when they when he signed that deal, it's just, it was essentially a two year deal. I wouldn't be surprised though, Jacob, if they reworked his deal, his deal to to make it more palatable for this season. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He just signed it last year, but I know that's been uh, that's kind of been like something that hasn't really been discussed. But when you go look at it, there are, there are ways you can lighten his cap hit this year too. And that's the thing, guys. We don't know Russ Ball. We are not in those conversational meetings, right, where they're talking about contracts and they're talking about, hey, and anybody that's ever had a job, like, you know you know the deal. When Aaron Jones signed that contract, he knew the deal. If, if we are sitting here in our chair saying this looks like a two-year deal, Aaron Jones knows that too, right? Yep. We are not privy to the type of, types of conversations that they are having with Aaron Jones before he signs it. Aaron. This is a two-year deal. We might come back to you next year and ask you to rework that. Are you okay with that if that's something that we have to do? Because look at X, Y, Z next year. And if you want to be on this team next year and you want it to be successful, this is might something that be something we have to do. How do you feel about that, Aaron? I'm down with that. I would do that. Okay, like stuff like that. None of us are privy to any of those comp- those conversations. And I get that is completely an oversimplification of what's going on. But in some ways, it really isn't because – if we're not in those meetings, when those guys sign those contracts, we really just don't know. Right. And who's willing to work with them and who is not willing to work with them. So sorry to get off on a tangent and a rant and a little bit of a rant there, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jones has his deal reworked this season. Certainly. Feels but like yes, that'll be he, something that's- but he's going to, he's going to be on the team next year. Like let's, let's be real about that. He's going to be the starting running back for this team next year. Yeah, he'll be on the team. Um, there are other contracts that are simple like that. Kenny Clark is one. Uh, David Bakhtiari is one. And we've talked about those. And we'll talk more about some of that stuff uh, because there's going to be some detail as to you know what the deal is with Aaron Rodgers, what the deal is with Devontae Adams and, and how all of that is going to work. Uh, Big B, I'm never going to really shout out against anything that's pro Jamal Williams. So, you know, that's my guy. Maybe that's not so quite on, like as your guy. So, but so on brand. That's so on brand too. I love that. Well, Jamal's my dude, and and I can tell you that there are certain guys that I'm just going to be irrational about when they become free agents. Mike Daniels is one of them, uh, and Jamal Williams is one too. I know Green Bay doesn't quote unquote need him, but if he wanted I to come him. back, I'm I, not going to. I might need him. Right? Why you not? Might, you might need him. We know Big B needs him, so exactly. Brian, Brian, Brian if you're let's listening. Do it. If you went and got Cobb for Rodgers, why can't you go get Jamal for us? I, I don't see. I don't really see what the difference is. It's it's about the people, and we us that's, we three kings are in fact people. So I would I would think yeah. that's something that 
should be listened to. Before we get to the draft class, specifically about this running back group, I did want to talk and touch base with you real quick. And we did talk about this Monday on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Morley and I practically live together at this point. I think my wife and his fiance are starting to ask questions in terms of how much time we spend together. But whatever. Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are talking about offering an extension uh, upwards of $45 million. Devontae Adams, they're talking about franchise tagging and trying to get a deal done. If they get Rodgers an extension, I, I think it's very likely they will get one done with Adams as well. Here's kind of my thing, because I don't want to go over We talked about last week, like what their plan is, and I think it's kind of foolish to rehash. Clearly, Green Bay wants him back. And I think coming to a different conclusion is either being stuck in your own priors or just not reading what's going on. I don't, I don't know another way really to put that, but what I do want to talk about is from the standpoint of building the team from there. And we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday morning's episode of the pack a day podcast. I believe something I I tweeted yesterday was when Tom Brady had said that football is better when Rob Gronkowski is in it and he hopes Gronk continues to play, even though he hasn't. And my response was how about, a number 12 that also needs a tight end. And I don't necessarily mean Gronkowski specifically when I start talking about this, but I do think if the Packers are going to put all of their eggs into this basket, it's Aaron Rodgers and it's Devontae Adams. And it's basically two, maybe three years. You know, we'll kind of see once the extension details come out, if they ever do in fact come out, then I think what the Packers should be doing is, and the example I used was Josiah DeGuara, and I'm not hating on Josiah DeGuara. I like him. I think he's a good football player. But I think they also asked him to do some things that he's not necessarily best suited to do at this stage of his career, being the seam-stretching type of tight end. He's not a seam-stretcher. He's he's an in-the-flat, intermediate type of guy. He's going to knock your face off when he blocks you. And he's going to make some plays, you know, as a check down type receiver has a little bit of wiggle. You saw that on that screen pass that he took for a touchdown from Jordan love, the longest touchdown pass of Jordan loves career, by the way, uh, which he threw all of two yards. So I guess that's, that's a little misleading, but whatever it goes in the box score as a 60 yard touchdown. We'll take it. Um, my thing is when the way you build this team is any veteran you can think of, if it comes down to it, well, should we rely on this young player or should we get the proven commodity? More often than not, the Packers' answer in recent memory has been, let the young player develop, let's see what he's got. I also think now, if that's the way they're going to go, the veteran should be the answer. The example I gave was Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is a player that was allegedly on the trading block, and the Packers may or may not have wanted to give up a third-round pick for him. If you're doing this all in thing, then you need to be all in on the all in trade for that guy. Cause that third round pick is not going to matter to you by the end of this deal. Because by the time he's ready to go, it's when this Rogers thing is done and the team's going to look drastically different anyways. So I'm not saying they haven't been aggressive enough. I'm not even advocating doing the Los Angeles Rams thing. This is not what that is but be a little more willing to maybe go beyond what your comfort level is. Don't haggle as much over the price. Like if somebody says, Hey, we, we, we've agreed to a fourth. Well, we want a third, give the third, your third round picks suck anyways. So just give the third. And that's how I think they should build this team. If they are going to do the Aaron Rodgers thing for the next couple of years, any available veteran, that is willing to come to Green Bay, whether at a discount or if you got to be a little more aggressive, if you can and do some stuff like that, do it. You know, the Whitney Merciless signings, the Rasul Douglas signings, those are all well and good. 
but I think they need to be willing to do even more of those things if they're going to go this direction as much as they can. Because like you mentioned, I don't know what they can and cannot do. People have talked about the Odell Beckham thing since he won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Sounds to me like it wasn't really between Green Bay and Los Angeles as it has been speculated. Uh, it sounded like New England when Odell was talking about it during Super Bowl week. But that's beside the point. I think the Packers need to be a little more willing to do some stuff like that. Uh, I'm not saying even even go full Kansas City Chiefs and not worry about character stuff at all. I'm just saying kind of when it comes to a guy who's available, maybe Robbie Anderson is an example. You know, could they have given a third round pick for him or something like that? And this is a good question. You could certainly go this route too, Joe. It depends on the veteran, and it does. They've tried the washed up vet before and ended up with Jimmy Graham and Martellus Bennett. That is true. Mm-hmm. That being said, Rob Gronkowski is different than Jimmy Graham and Martellus Bennett from the standpoint of one, nobody saw Martellus Bennett becoming a bum to use Aaron Rodgers' words. And Jimmy Graham, we kind of know the deal. Like we knew he was washed when the Packers signed him. You were just kind of hoping Aaron Rodgers could reinvigorate him a little bit. Rob Gronkowski would be different. He's a Hall of Famer, arguably the greatest tight end to ever play the sport, and gives you at minimum, a dominant run blocking presence that also has the ability to be a really good player in the red zone for you somewhere that the Packers struggled this year. Now, maybe the tight end that they get is just Robert Tunyon. And I would be down with that. I do think they need to address that position. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, but in terms of team building Morley, what are your thoughts on if the Packers are going to go this route? Do you think that there is room for them or should they be willing to be more aggressive on guys that maybe they don't know to use Ted Thompson's words. Yeah, they should. I mean, David Schultz in a perfect world, bring me him, but he's going to get paid more than what the Packers are going to have. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't necessarily know who that veteran tight end is. Like it, I mean, a lot of the guys and you have to like pair them with who they have. Like, are they better than Mercedes? Are they better than what Tanya is going to be? They're going to know where Tanya is more than any of us do. Um, so I would say, yes, explore that. I just don't know if that specific position is going to have that guy readily available for you. You know, and and I think it's going to come through the draft. I think, you know, perfect team building type. Trey McBride. Like, Trey McBride or, or uh, Rucker. Jeremy is, is Ruckert. Uh, uh, both those guys will be very welcome additions, in my opinion. Uh, so Jake Ferguson. Yeah, why not? Uh, give me the Jake Ferguson, too. The, the, like kid, from, the kid from UCLA. Delolik, you look like I can't say his name, but yeah, I like him. Isaiah Likely, I, I like him. Isaiah too. Likely. And just to be clear, I, I'm not just talking tight ends either. Like if Akeem Hicks wants to come position. play for the Packers, oh yeah, if it's Akeem, if it's Akeem that's, Hicks that's, or a second round pick, that it, and that would be Hicks. That would be more likely too, because a lot of times you see those veteran guys that are within the division kind of jump over because they're like, hey, I've been playing, Peppers, you hello. been playing, been playing you twice a year for a few years. I want, I want to drink out of that. You know, I want to drink out of that Gatorade bottle. So. Uh, yeah, I think they should, they should be more willing. I think they proved last year. They are, they are more willing to do that with some of these guys and kind of bring guys in and go after guys, you know, it didn't always come to fruition with this team, but, um, I do think that they were in every single conversation with those guys. We forget, uh, Stefan Gilmore was the guy that everybody was hot to trot for. And that's the day, same day they signed Rasul Douglas and Rasul ended up being everything you would have wanted Gilmore to be and more. Uh, so it, it just, you know, you get lucky sometimes and I don't know, we'll see. We will see. That's why this, this off season is going to be very fascinating. 
So here's the here's the thing I want to get because I've gotten two of them right in a row. And we will talk receivers next week. And trust me, that'll be a longer show because there's a lot that goes into that. It's going to be a fun one. It yeah. will be. Um, and we're working on one, maybe two guests for that. So you'll definitely want to check us out next week at 7 o'clock right here on Game On Wisconsin's YouTube channel. Hit like, subscribe, all that sort of fun stuff to get going here. What I will say about receivers, and I don't want to get too deep into that, is that I think the Packers have taken it. Like I know we all know this by now. Ian Rappaport has talked about it. When they picked Jordan Love, they were trying to trade up and get Justin Jefferson. My thing that I would say for the Packers now is if that draft was this year and say they wanted, you know, your one and your two, then do it. Like mm -hmm. then do it. I understand why they didn't do that two years ago. Cause if you're picking Jordan Love, then you kind of have, you kind of know how they felt about the quarterback situation at the time. But be willing to do some stuff like that. Or maybe it's trading one of those top picks for, you know, a proven veteran. And I'm not saying trade a first or two firsts even for a receiver. We'll talk more about my receiver philosophy next week. But just stuff kind of like that in general. Consistent tight ends, D-line help. Those are all things that we can do when we start talking about team needs and everything like that. And those are certainly things that are on the list. But this show is about the running backs. So let's talk about the backs that are in this class, Jake. We've finally gotten to that point. Running backs don't matter is the common discussion. I do not believe that. I think that's an oversimplification of the position, but I also would say that doesn't mean you pick one in the top five either. But if Green Bay took a guy at 28 and I told you he was going to be Jonathan Taylor, aren't you going to tell me, hell yeah, I would do that. Um, I think that there's a lot of different you know things the Packers can do this year. I would tell you there isn't a back in this class that you're going to want to take that early. Um, there were some examples in the past. I know when I was legitimately heartbroken when the Packers uh, were in that draft where they took AJ Dillon and like five picks prior, the Ravens took JK Dobbins. I loved mm -hmm. JK Dobbins. I loved Jonathan Taylor that year. I loved a lot of backs that year. Dillon was one of them. Um, but I do think this year, when you talk about backs that the Packers need, and there is a discussion to be had, Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor. But when you look at this as far as potential Aaron Jones replacement in 2023, for starters, my joke that I've been making is in the third round, just pick a running back because it's really hard for those mm -hmm. running backs to flame out. And um, my first question that I've gotten on the board here is from Lambo Labo about Hassan Haskins. So let me talk about Hassan Haskins. Hassan Haskins should have a statue built outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, in front of the stadium for five touchdowns against that poverty school from Columbus, Ohio. God bless him for single-handedly outscoring the Ohio State Suckeyes and then beating up on the Iowa Hawkeyes a week later. It was phenomenal. I love Hassan Haskins. Uh, and I do think that's somebody that if you get him on day three, even if that's like the fourth round, he kind of reminds me, and this isn't a direct comparison, but kind of reminds me of Jamal Williams from the standpoint of he's going to be good at everything, but not great at anything. Can he grind out four or five yards at a time? Yes. Can he pop an explosive run every now and again? Yes. Is he adept in the passing game? Yes. And that's the kind of backs that I'm looking for if you look at Green Bay. With the Packers specifically, something about their running backs that I've talked about is they don't have natural pass catchers. What I mean by that, every time Aaron Jones has to catch a pass, he has to catch a pass a certain way. His hands have to be mm -hmm. up. That play uh, right before halftime against San Francisco is a really good example of that where Rogers, like people are saying, Rogers didn't put it out in front of him. My theory on it is 
One, it's a perfect ball. Two, I think that's the way Rodgers has to throw that because he knows his guy. If Jones has to catch it over the shoulder, he's not going to, or it's going to be more difficult for him to do so. I just haven't seen him do it a whole hell of a lot. I know he had a big remember, touchdown. Remember the wheel route that we all wanted and all needed that was perfect, <laughs> and it hit him right in the bread basket like so, and then it somehow hit the ground. Yeah. Yes, there are examples of that. So when I talk about the Packers and needing a running back, those are the kinds of guys that I'm looking for for help as soon as 2022 and even in the future. And A.J. Dillon is even kind of that way. He's not a natural player in the passing game. If you have to stop to catch the ball, basically is what I mean by a non-natural player. Now, granted, running backs aren't receivers, and there's a reason for that, and I understand all that. They're capable pass catchers, both of those guys. But there are plenty of guys I like that way. So that's kind of what I'm looking for when you talk about a running back for the Packers this year. Jake, if you're looking for a back, and I'm not talking specific names yet, we will get to that. What are some types of players that you're looking for for Green Bay to add? Right. And I think with both those guys, they're not supernatural route runners either as far as running backs. Like with A.J. Dillon, like the whole he can't catch stuff was was super overblown. But also with A.J. Dillon, he's not a guy I want out there running like a full route tree. He's a guy I want in the flats that can catch the ball and then just kill people. You know, like that's the type of running back he is. But like if they're going to draft a guy, it is a guy that I want to be able to like, hey, let's kick him out to the slot because he can actually run. Uh, he can run a, a legit slant route. He can run a legit whip route. Like, let's get a guy that can add that dimension to the offense um, that can do some stuff that really no one on the roster right now can, can do because Kylan Hill can't really do that and, and Taylor uh, can't really do that either. Um, so that would be the type of guy that I would want on this team. And in some ways, maybe that's Amari Rogers if they don't get that guy, but Amari Rogers hasn't, hasn't really done anything uh, to make me excited about anything for his future, aside from maybe losing 15 pounds and trying to be more explosive, I don't, I don't know. But uh, those would be the Ooh, types of guys I told I would him go to play for. At 220 pounds. I need to know. Not me. Not me. He <laughs> looks big. He looked big. Like he looked like a guy trying to play running back. You know, like a like three three yards in a cloud of dust type running back. But um, it, it is interesting too because I think you would say we just talked about all four of these guys that they have on this roster. It's like. Dude, running back is a position they don't even need to scout this year. Like, don't do it. They don't need to. They don't need one. Uh, but what is? But one thing that sticks out in my mind is us thinking that two years ago with a uh, with with Jamal and uh, Aaron Jones and Coach Lafleur saying we would like to add another guy to the room, and all of us kind of like, what? Why? You have two. That's because they're, they're always going to be looking for guys to tote the rock. Like that's that's is how this offense is built. Like Lafleur wants three or four guys. And if there's someone sitting there around three or four that they absolutely love, they're going to take them. You know, they're just going to do it. They don't care what we think. And, and on that say, note yeah. too, something else that I think of when you talk about those three or four guys is look how much the Packers run those two back sets mm-hmm. and how they're like, when Dylan leaves the game this year, they're not able to do it because they don't trust Patrick Taylor to do that kind of stuff. So having another capable player like that is something that, I think would be beneficial, even if it is in fact a luxury, but that's just something that, that I think matters. And to talk earlier, what we were talking about earlier, this is probably Aaron Jones last year as a Packer, right? If it is a two-year deal. So you're probably looking more towards the future of us saying like, okay, we like Hill, we like Taylor. uh, But if we love this guy, that's who we want to pair with AJ Dillon in 2023. That's going to be our number two back while AJ Dillon takes the reins as RB1. Uh, so, and, and one of those guys could absolutely be Patrick Taylor or Kylan Hill, right? It could totally in 2023, it could be AJ Dillon, Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor, and those guys could get better. They could improve. 
and that could be a really good stable of backs, but uh, they could love a guy like, uh, I'm, we're not mentioning names yet. Right. So I'm not going to mention them. Feel names, free. All right, so they could add like a James Cook to the to this, yes. to this backfield. Uh, a guy that basically everything I've just talked about as far as being a route runner, a receiver, uh, a fast guy, he's a walking touchdown. Uh, that is a guy. Like if if James Cook is sitting there in round three, take pick him. him. I would say I would take him right Without there. Without even thinking about it, pick him. And he's a smaller back, right? He's like 190, 195. But it doesn't really matter for how you're going to play him, and especially if he's going to be your 190, 195 guy playing behind AJ Dillon, that is fine because you're going to AJ. I would imagine when AJ Dillon takes over as RB one, he it's not going to maybe be as much of a 50-50 time split because he's more of like that workhorse type back that they could get away with a guy like James Cook who's lined up in the backfield or shoot lined up in the backfield with AJ Dillon and then put Cook in the slot. He's a legitimate slot receiver, like the guy. The guy is has a wide receiver background. Um, and so adding a guy like that to this team, like that is by far and away my favorite running back for this fit, for this team. Um, and there are other guys that I like as well, but they're more like your traditional type running backs that I would kind of be like, okay, cool. He's good. He's good. But what does he add to this team? So when you're looking at a guy that can specifically add things to this team, add a dynamic or add a wrinkle to this offense, Dude, James Cook has got to be number one on my list. So one bit here that we didn't mention, well, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but that is something. How is Kylan Hill's knee? And yep. Kylan Hill, remember, we loved him. And that was one of my favorite picks of last year's draft. Still a seventh-round pick, a, a 250-ish pick that tore his ACL. And sometimes that means the end of those guys' careers. And I know that's kind of an icky way to think about that, but it's true. It can certainly be that way. James Cook gives you so much value for a couple of reasons. Number one, Minnesota Vikings fans. What's up, motherfuckers? Baby Dalvin Cook. <laughs> and I would love, if nothing else, to troll these guys that we've got little Dalvin and he ends up better than Dalvin. That won't happen. God, that would be something. <laughs> that would be so sick. But like you mentioned, D Baby Dalvin, James Cook, was really good in the college football playoff. And he played two really good defenses when he did that. Alabama, mm -hmm. obviously, and Michigan had a good defense as well. He torched them like over the shoulder catches as a running back, natural route runner. He can run those Texas routes. He can run those routes from the slot that they like to do with Aaron Jones, but it'll be a little more natural from the standpoint. If he catches it, he can house it because he's not going to double catch it or he's not going to have to slow down and make sure he caught it kind of thing. James Cook to me would be, an incredible addition to this team. Like I told you, if they pick him in the third round, for me, number one, just pick a running back in the third round anyways. I just want to see a third round pick that doesn't suck. And shout out to my man's Jay Sternberger. It didn't work out in Green Bay. I love you so much, Jace. But yeah, it didn't work out in Green Bay. And you talk about like the best third round pick the Packers have made in recent memory is Josiah DeGuara. With all due respect to Josiah, that's, that's not what you're hoping for when you're talking about top 100 picks. So when you look at it that way, I think guys like that are certainly in the discussion. Some other guys that I really like, I love Brees Hall uh, out of Iowa State. Mm -hmm. And he's young, and he's somebody that as soon <laughs> – that'll never not make me laugh. But yeah, um, He's young. He's young. He's young. Uh, but when it comes right. to when it comes to Brees Hall, like again, if there's a player – if I'm watching the running back and they make a play – like vision is one of my number one things that I'm looking for. It's why I like Darren Jones as much as I did early in his career because – they see holes that are there and they close in a blink and you have to be able to get there in a blink and they're able to do things like that. So I think that Brees Hall is somebody 
that can do some stuff like that. There are other guys uh, that I like through there. You know, Jerome Ford is a later round guy. Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame is a later guy. I know you mentioned at the top Isaiah Spiller. Uh, Labo was asking about Rashad White. The thing about running backs is this is where people are like, oh, running backs don't matter. You can just get one later in the draft. It's because there's so much value on those guys on day three to where you can pick this guy and he becomes a starter or he becomes a high level backup where he's basically a starter. And Tyler Goodson's another one. I'm, I'm not discounting him either, Joe. So don't worry about that. And Iowa running backs have been uh, Akron Wadley was one that I really liked in the recent past of guys that can just kind of do it all. And you know, that's where you talk about some of these guys and their ability to come in. I think that one thing they should certainly be doing with the running back position is taking a guy a little bit later every single year and just adding to that stable. Because like you mentioned, Kylan Hill knee injury, Patrick Taylor, serious foot injury. Those guys are one Nick injury ouchie away from their NFL careers being over. And I know that sounds gross to say it that way, but it it just is true. And you're talking about and, potential replacements. And for the way Hill plays, like that's, I'll, I'll be interested to see how he is coming back from that because he is kind of that shifty type guy that has the speed, has the wiggle. And like sometimes an ACL injury can rob you of that. Um, and he really depends on that to, to be able to run the ball. So I hope he comes back healthy because he looked like an I mean, he looked like everything we thought he would be coming out of Mississippi state. And that was so much fun in the preseason just to be like, why, why did you let this happen, NFL? Why did you let this guy almost go undrafted? He's a stud. And then, of course, he got hurt. So hopefully he can get back to form, which it is 2022. A uh, lot of hope for guys with those types of injuries to be able to come back and, and be better than they were. So uh, we will see country ass. So let's start talking a little bit as we get to the end here. What do you think the likelihood is that the Packers take a running back? And normally I say this is a five-round draft, but we have to go with the whole thing because of the running back position and the way that it is. What do you think the likelihood is that they take a back in this draft? Uh, less than ten percent. Like, really? I would be. I, I'd be surprised. I'd be really surprised if they did. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would say. I I think it's like forty percent, just because of the way Lafleur likes to play with his offense, and yeah. you can see very clearly. Well, what are, talk to me after they get their comp picks as well? How many how many that, picks are we going to end up working with here? And free agency, potentially. I mean, what if they just sign an air back? I mean, I'm not saying that they'll do that, but it is possible. If you get a guy like Giovanni Bernard, like the way the Bucks tried to use him or somebody like that, I think that's possible as well. But I do think it's higher because I think you've seen the way that LaFleur likes to run his offense. He likes those two back sets, and I do too. I love them. I love the way the Packers use that that pony package. And he wants to – when he says three capable guys of toting the rock, I think he literally means guys that he could line up and, mm-hmm. hey, the game plan today is around you. And yeah. kind of like they did in that that Titans game a couple years ago where A.J. Dillon was an unknown relatively at the time. And Jamal Williams was out. And Aaron Jones was kind of nicked up. And they built that entire thing out of the A.J. Dillon box. And they just kind of ran it down the Titans' throat. What What is interesting about that, too, is he's always been that way. And he's always talked about that. But he's only ever played two guys. You know? so Yeah. Like, but have they ever they... had three guys that you think are capable at the same exact time? Like, you oh, know how I they thought, feel about thought, younger guys. I thought Dylan could have played his rookie here a little bit more. Because even when J- Jamal came back, it was back to kind of age of Dylan to the bench. You know, Except even after in that the break, playoffs, Dylan had more ball. run in the postseason than than Jamal did, if, I think. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that, that could be the interesting part of it. And if they like Taylor and if they like Hill, they could say, we love, we love Jones and Dylan. 
and we really like these two guys as our third back, and hopefully we can stash one on the practice squad again. There's four guys we really like, or they just add another guy to the mix. But I, I think for me, it would just it would have to be like, man, we love this running back. He is by far and away the number one guy on our board right now. We just can't not take him. You know that that's what it would have to be, and, and the chances of that happening. Maybe a little bit higher than 10 because running back is so devalued and Green Bay doesn't devalue the running back position. So uh, that could happen. That absolutely could happen where teams are like, we'll wait on it, we'll wait on it. And Green Bay is like, nah, this guy's too good. We're just going to take him. Um, so, yeah, let's say 20, 25%. 25%. Something else I do want to bring up is, and it's a role they didn't really use last year because of a lot of different things, the offensive linemen, all that kind of stuff that they had happen. But the Tyler Irvin role and it's hard to do the Tyler Irvin stuff when you have your guys in the shotgun a vast majority of the time instead of yeah. being able to run those jet sweeps and stuff like that. So maybe they have a back that they want. Because they did keep four on the roster if you call Irvin a running back that particular year with the way to do mm-hmm. some. And the other thing, like you mentioned before, is what if this he says, hey, this guy's my – what if Rich Bisaccia says, this guy's my kickoff and my yeah. punt returner? That's certainly That's... a possibility as well. And the Packers, yeah. to me, right now – James Cook. And the Packers right now, to me, don't have a guy on their roster that you have to be like, oh, this guy is our set-in kickoff and punt returner for next year because I wouldn't be counting on Amari Rodgers for for anything like that for 2022. So we are out of time. We ran a little bit longer on this show than I anticipated doing it, but I appreciate you guys stopping in. New York Packers – or New York, good Lord. True North Packers fan, uh, Iowa Joe. Lambo Labo, and of course, Big B that was in here earlier talking a little bit about some Jamal Williams, which is always welcome at Game On Wisconsin. He's forever a friend of this program. And there you have it, guys. Draft James Cook. So, Goody, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, the pick is in. James Cook is the Packers' third-round pick this year. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week to talk about the wide receiver position. So I'm sure we're going to have a little bit of uptick, talk about the way the Packers have or haven't addressed that position. But until then, I'm Jacob Westendorf. He's Jacob Morley. We will see you guys next week. Go Pack!